Well, I want to share some things with you, a little bit about prayer. Uh, I really, I've just felt this week even more so, uh, a sense, and I'm not saying God's spoken this to me, but very seldom do I ever hear Him just speak something to me. Usually it's just a knowing inside, and, and the, the Bible talks about that as an unction, or as the, that's really primarily how the Spirit of God leads us. I just know certain things, and they just kind of get bigger and bigger in me. And it's that God really wants to use this time to begin to get His people to emphasize prayer. And this is part of why we're doing this. Obviously, people are more aware of the need for prayer now because of the urgent situation that's out there. Again, some of you are, are many of you are really not having direct contact with this. You're holed up in your home, and, and we've been kind of like that. We're really insulated from this, aside from some people in the church that I've been in communication with that, that have lost loved ones, and then, and then it brings you back to the reality that this is very hard for some. And we have people in our church that are on the front line, that are out caring for people, uh, either in nursing homes or in hospitals, and they're on that front line, and they're very much aware of the reality of, of, this, of this pandemic that's coming against us. And of course, we're all affected because we can't do the things we normally did, the stores, the restaurants we might normally go to. Uh, we can't do those things, so life is different. But then think back, it could be a whole lot worse than it is right now. I'm a, I'm a history buff, and I, I enjoy British history and American, early American history. And Britain went through a, a terrible bombing at the beginning of World War II. And, and it was, uh, they couldn't sleep at night because when they were, at nighttime is when the Germans would come over and bomb. And so uh, there are many much worse situations, and, and we will get through this, um, especially with God's help. And that, that's why we're here tonight. But I'm saying that because one of the things I want to begin to help you with, we as a staff want to begin to encourage you to do, and I mentioned it on my morning fireside chat, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more in an email that we're going to send out um, to you. I really want to encourage you. Many of you are now holed up at home. Some of you are either out of your uh, out of work or you're uh, you're working from home. So you're you're kind of grouped together with your family, and that's not a bad thing. God is using this opportunity. He didn't create it to slow us down and to force us to either kill each other or reconnect. And I would encourage you to reconnect as opposed to killing each other. But I think what God wants us to learn to do is to begin to take some of this time we have and learn how to come together as a family and pray together. Uh, some of you with children, you're looking for things to do. Well, in the, in the days before television and the days you know, before a lot of the distractions we have, families would come together at supper time and they would eat together. Isn't that amazing? And they would pray. They would read their Bible and they would pray together as a family. Or they would do that at breakfast time. And it transforms your family. It brings you... Because when you pray together with someone on a consistent basis, it brings you together with it. It develops a closeness and intimacy. But there's tremendous power in, in a, the prayer of agreement, especially with, between a husband and wife or, or, uh, and, and parents and their children. So whatever your family situation is, if you ever husband and wife and children, that's great. But what, whatever you have in that home to encourage you to, to begin to, to take some time. And we're, gonna, we're working on ways to get some help to you, to, for those of you that really have never done this before, to give you some structure and some suggestions and then some feedback of how to do this. But I just want to kind of lay that out before you tonight because this is a, is a prayer night. So 
Um, we'll talk more about that. We're going to get some information to your, uh, into your hands in the next uh, week or so. But what I want to talk to you about tonight, uh, just for a few minutes, and then we are going to pray, is, is we're talking about confidence in prayer. Uh, so often, I think the reason we, there are two main reasons I think that we don't pray more. It certainly isn't because we have a lack of needs. Uh, because if you think about it, what prayer is, and there are different types of prayer. There's a prayer of consecration where you're just turning your life over to God. There's a prayer of faith which is between you and God to believe things for your life that, that's just between you and God and it's just a matter of where your faith is. But then there's a prayer of intercession and then that involves calling upon God to do things in the lives of other people. And there are other factors that figure into that such as their will how they've lived their life, and other, all kinds of other factors. And there are different principles that these kinds of prayer operate in. But by and large, they all have several things in common. We come to God, except if it's in case of consecration or just fellowshipping with Him. But when we pray, when we're interceding, we're asking God to do something, either for us or for someone else. And in the case of what we're here to do tonight, it's for other people. Sometimes it may be people that we know, or it may be people we don't really know. And by and large, what we'll be doing tonight is for people we really don't know, but God does know who they are. So the, the first thing they have in common is we're coming to God for, for a need. Well, it, we're, we're never at a place where we don't have needs that we need help for, whether it's in our own personal life or it's in the life of people in our family or if they're all set, then it's somebody else that we know or maybe it isn't somebody we know, but there are always needs out there for which we need God's intervention and God's help. So it's not because there's a lack of need. I think the reason is far more because we don't have confidence that either God's going to hear us or that he, can, he, he will do what we ask Him to do or maybe even possibly, and we talked a little bit about this Sunday, that we even think He can do anything about it because sometimes we're dealing with situations that look so hopeless we forget He's an almighty God. And we talked about that, that last Sunday, uh, both in our broadcast, which will come this Sunday, uh, on the TV show, and in the live streaming we did do last Sunday. So I want to talk to you about having confidence before God in prayer. And so to do that, I want to go to Jesus taught on prayer. And there's no greater teacher, there's no greater source than Jesus to teach us about prayer. Because if there's anyone that knew how to get his prayers answered, it was Jesus. And, and it was very common for uh, rabbis that had disciples that followed them to teach them a certain technique or style or, or form of prayer. And so most likely, that's what Jesus' disciples had in mind when they came to him and asked him to teach them to pray. The other thing I think that motivated them is they watched him prayer in prayer. And he didn't pray like the rabbis did. He didn't pray like other people did. He prayed as if he had a real living relationship with the one to whom he was praying. And he would spend all night sometimes in prayer. And you can't do that if you're not really making a vital connection with the one you're praying to. Because we'll run out of gas pretty quickly if we're just going through some obligation or living some commitment out or doing something just because we think it's something we're supposed to do. So they had come to him and Jesus is going to teach them about prayer. We're going to pick up uh, in verse 5 in Matthew chapter 6. 
And when you pray, notice he doesn't say if you pray, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So the first thing he's addressing here is what motivates you to pray. Sometimes when the hypocrites, and the hypocrite is somebody that, that wants to appear like there's something that they're not. The word hypocrite in, in the Greek, the Greek word actually is hypocritos, which means, uh, or is plastika, which is the word that we get plastic from. And think about what plastic is. A plastic fender looks like it's chrome, but it's not. It's fake. And so uh, a hypocrite is somebody that tries to appear that they're one thing on the outside, when in reality there's something else on the inside. So he's talking about people that who's who's are praying in a way for its appearance. And 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 we may not ever come to church or we may not ever pray hourly for that, but sometimes I think many times I think we're praying for the fact that it that it looks like we're praying either for our benefit or for other people's benefit. So the motive for prayer is important. Now Jesus is going to talk to them, but verse 6, when you pray Go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father that's in heaven. The Father, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. Jesus is drawing a distinction here between those that have a covenant with God and those who do not have a covenant with God. The hypocrites he's referring to are the religious leaders. And although they were, they were, uh, they were Pharisees, they were, they were scribes, they had official positions in the church or the synagogue or the temple back then. They, they did not, they were, they were not walking in a living relationship with the God to whom they were praying. And so the first distinction Jesus is drawing there is that there, there are people without covenant. We'll see that as we go further. So Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. So Jesus is first of all telling them, Make sure of your motive. Don't be like the religious leaders because they're, they're praying because they want to be seen as people who pray. They want to have a reputation for being people to pray. They're praying for how it appears or they're praying for the fact that they're being known for, for a praying people. And we can subtly slip into that because we become conscious of ourselves as whether, well, you know, I don't pray enough, or, or I don't pray as much as so-and-so, or, or I pray more than so-and-so. And what we're really doing is looking ourselves and the performance we're doing for God in our prayers. And although our motives may be not exactly the same as theirs, we're really doing the same thing. It's still focused on us. And you'll see that theme as we go, th- go through this tonight. So the first thing Jesus is talking is he's drawing a distinction between the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And then he said, but you, when you pray, go into a secret place. It's a meeting place. Jesus wants them to know that they are to come together in a place where they are secretly meeting, or a better word is privately meeting with the one that they're praying to. Because prayer is not a show. Prayer is not about what we look like when we pray. 
I've had, uh, and, and it's very common. This are some of these things we all tend to fall into. But I remember years ago, I, I had a, uh, uh, we were had a Tuesday night prayer meeting, and I asked one of our elders, who's not here anymore, they moved on. I said, would you please uh, handle it for me? Uh, and I came, because I had a meeting, and I came in partway through it, and he was leading in the prayer, and he was doing fine. And when he came up to me at the end, of, at, when he was finished, he said, how did I do? I said, well, wait a minute, brother, this was not a performance to see how well you did and what I thought of it. The, the proof of how well you prayed is the results you get. So the point was, prayer is not about a performance. Prayer is not about what kind of job did we do? Do I feel good about it? Do I not feel good about it? And we're all human. We all have a tendency to do that. But when we realize we're doing that, that should wake us up and realize, well, wait a minute. I don't realize what it is I'm doing when I'm praying. So what Jesus is saying is when you pray, realize what you're doing. You're having a private conversation with somebody. And then the second thing about this is the one you're having a private conversation about is someone you have a relationship with. So one of the first fundamentals of prayer is to realize that you're having a communication or a conversation with somebody that although he's God in the heavens, although he's almighty, he's someone that you have a relationship with. Now if you think about uh, of other conversations you have with people, whether it's with your spouse or your children, or maybe it's somebody at work. But the kind of relationship that you have with them will affect the confidence that you have that they're listening to you, or that they understand you, or that they're going to do what you're asking them to do. So if it's somebody that you love and somebody that you know loves you, you have a greater confidence that they're going to listen to you. And I understand if you've been married for a while that we have, sometimes we have difficulties in learning to listen to one another. But there's a basic confidence there that they're not going to laugh at you because there's a relationship. So what Jesus is teaching them is, prayer, and and what we're talking about tonight, although what we're doing here is a corporate prayer meeting, but I want to talk to you tonight about your private prayer time, your private prayer relationship with with your Father, with God, because we cannot go in our public uh, corporate prayer meetings beyond where we individually are in our private prayer lives, because that's what we bring to these prayer meetings the confidence that we have because we're talking to God on a regular basis and we have confidence that He's hearing us and that we can bring our requests to Him. And so I'm talking to you tonight specifically about your own private prayer life. So Jesus wants you to know that the one you're talking to is your Father who loves you. And we're going to see a little more about what this Father's attention to you is when you come and ask Him. So we're praying out of a relationship. So again, think about other relationships that you have. And when you're talking to them, you're not on your knees. You're not conscious of how the the position you're in. You're not conscious of of how formally you address them. You just sometimes blurt things out to them. And maybe sometimes you shouldn't blurt them out. But you're free to just talk to them because you're talking out of a relationship. 
And the Bible's very clear that because we come to Him through Christ, we just have the same kind of boldness. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says we're to come boldly to the throne of grace. That word boldly doesn't mean arrogantly, but it means with total confidence that we can say anything to Him in any way. Just bear your heart to Him. And God wants you to come that way because it shows confidence in the relationship. So go into your secret place. It's a private conversation. It's a private relationship that we have with Him. And your Father who, hear, who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now down in verse, uh, verse 7. See, one of the things is we lack, we lack confidence because we're focused too much on what we're doing. Uh, w- those that did, did, did not have a co- covenant with God, those that don't, are not confident of their relationship with God will not have confidence when they go to Him that He's listening. And so we try to do all kinds of things to manipulate God to get His attention. So one of the things we try to pour out, we try to tell God why He ought to answer our prayers. So if we're praying for somebody, one of the, the, the traps we fall in is to try to tell God, you really ought to save this person because they would make a great Christian. Or, or we tell God why that person deserves for Him to answer their prayers. And I don't find anywhere in my Bible that God answers prayers because of any merit that we have or any merit that someone else has. He answers prayers because we simply ask Him and we believe that He's going to answer. It's really that simple. But because we don't have that confidence, we try to manipulate God by telling Him why He ought to answer it instead of coming to Him simply boldly and asking in faith. So, we focus too much on ourselves. When we lack confidence, it's always because we're looking at ourselves. So we wonder, we'll question, why would God hear me? I mean, first of all, we know ourselves. We know we've not been as faithful as we think we should be. We've not maybe been as Christian-like or loving today as we should be. Uh, maybe we've not been reading our Bible as much as we think we should be. Maybe we've not been as good a parent today as we think we should be. But notice all of those things are about me and what something about me that tells me there's, that's why God probably won't listen to me because we're looking at me. But everything I find in my Bible that Jesus talks about, everything I find in my Bible that it talks about, about how we're to come to God, has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him and how faithful He is and how gracious He is and how once willing He is to hear us and answer. It's all about Him and what He's like. And Satan works hard to get you to look at yourself because when we look at ourselves we feel disqualified or we feel so insignificant or our problems feel so insignificant why would God with all the things God has to do why would God be willing to listen to me I remember years ago I had a hangnail it just kept bothering me and I felt the Lord asked me, why don't you come to me about this? And I'm thinking, what? Lord, it's just a hangnail. I mean, I'm sure it will heal because it was one I kind of ripped. And I, he said, I'm, I'm sure it will heal. He said, you don't think I care about a hangnail, do you? And it jolted me because no, I didn't. Because to me, it really wasn't all that important. And that tells me how I see God. That God's only looking at the things that we think are important to Him. Oh, this is good. We think God is only coming to us to pray for the things that are important to Him. 
But the more I get to know him and the more I get to know him through the word, the more I begin to realize how whatever's important to me is important to him. Now that tells you a whole different vision of what God's like. And we're going to see that in a minute. So whenever we're having a lack of confidence, it's always because we've started to look at ourselves and we're not looking what he's like. Jesus is getting them to focus on the one they're praying to. And first of all, to understand this is a father. This is God Almighty. This is God, the creator of the universe. This is a holy God. This is a righteous God. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah. This is, this is, uh, 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 uh Al Shaddai, this is Al Adonai, this is all the names you've known in God, but he's your father. And what father implies is a relationship. The second thing about a father that it implies is he has a responsibility for his children. We talked about this months ago when we talked about prayer also on a Wednesday night. God, as your father, think about this in terms of just what the Bible says, a, a natural father has a responsibility for his children to provide for them. It says if you don't provide for your children, you're worse than an infidel. Do we think God's requiring us as fathers to be better than he is? So the God, God we're coming to is a father who already is responsible for taking care of us and providing our needs. So, let's move on a little bit or we'll just stay there. He loves his children. And so his response to us is based on his love for us. So, he's once, we're coming to him as his children. We're not to be like those that do not have a relationship with Him. So let's go down to verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain, that's empty, repetitious repetitions as the heathens do. Now the heathens are those that have no covenant with God. So what he's saying is those that pray, and these are basically religious people, and many of you grew up in churches that were filled with religious people. Religious people are people who, who, who try to have a relationship with God based on the things that they do instead of on faith in God and the covenant they have with God. So Jesus is saying here, when you pray, don't be like those that have no covenant with God, because look what they do. Don't use vain repetitions as they do, for they think that they will be heard. Why? Because of their many words. The people that have no covenant with God, to whom God is not their father, the only basis they can come and expect God to do something is in how they pray. So what they figure is if I say the prayer, if I pray off enough, if I pray this prayer enough, then somewhere along the gut line, God's going to have his magic clicker to say this is a quota for how many times you have to ask me. And when you hit 276 times, okay, you hit it, now I'm going to answer your prayer. So their trust was in how they prayed because they had no other basis to have confidence because they did not have a covenant relationship with God. And Jesus is drawing this contrast by saying, but you do have a covenant relationship with Him. He's your Father. You have a relationship with Him. So when you come to Him, you're coming on the basis of the relationship, not how you pray, which means God's going to hear you whether you articulate it correctly or not. It's like a parent listening to his child. 
especially a small child, when they begin to talk, they're not as articulate, articulate as, a, as a college graduate hopefully is. But the father doesn't care. They just want to hear, what was that word? Did they say dada or mama? What did they say? All they want to know is they've heard from their child and they'll work through the understanding of it. And God's our father and we're his children. Don't worry about how you say it. It's how you come to him with your heart of trusting him. And he'll work through your wrong language. He'll work through the fact that you can't say it correctly. He'll get right because he already... We're going to see the... He already knows what you're going to ask him before you ask. We'll get there in a minute. Verse 8, Therefore do not be like them, for your father knows... Again, it's your father knows the things that you need before you ask. That tells me he's watching over you with such attention and such detail. He knows what you need before you know you need it. So his eyes are on you. His attention's on you. Psalm 139, and when you doubt this, is a great thing to read and look over because it talks about how the God's thoughts towards you are as numerous as the grains of sand on all the beaches in all the world. You can't begin to count those. And that's what God says his thoughts towards you are. We don't have to get his attention. He's trying to get our attention. Don't be like them. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Therefore, pray in this manner. Notice what he does not say. He does not say, say this prayer. Because what we've done is we've taken this prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer, and we've turned it into a vain, repetitious prayer. That doesn't mean you can't say this prayer, but say it with meaning when you say it. And, but I really believe what Jesus is talking about here isn't so much say these words. I believe he's talking about the attitude of prayer. And listen to the way he says this. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He's declaring things. He's not asking God to do things. He's declaring things. On earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't say, he says, give us this day your daily bread, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Notice he's not, he's not asking God, he's not pleading with God to do anything. He's not giving God reasons why. In fact, if you look at these words in the Greek, when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, when he says, forgive us our debts, when he said, lead us not into temptation, when he says, deliver us from evil, each of those Greek verbs are in a tense called imperative. And in English, we have an imperative tense also. And what that is, is not an asking, it's a demanding. It's it's like giving a command. So Jesus is teaching them here an attitude of prayer, which is that of a boldness and confidence to your Father who wants to answer your prayer, who's just waiting to come to Him and authorize. We've talked about this last week and the week before. He needs you to authorize Him to do things in your life that He already wants to do. That's why God, who knows what you need, doesn't just go meet the need. He needs you to come to Him 
and ask him. Why? First of all, because we've been given the authority here on the earth and he needs to work through the authority he's given to man. But secondly, when God does things for us because we've asked him, there's a connection that takes place. There's a relationship connection that takes place that helps deepen and develop the intimacy of that relationship. And that's what God is after more than anything. So, I want to close with just two scriptures. First of all, Jesus emphasizes to his disciples when he's teaching them about this relationship that they're joined to Christ, that they're one with Christ. He prays that in John uh, chapter 17. He talks to the disciples about in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. Paul, over and over again, makes reference to this idea that we're in him, we're in Christ, we're of him. And all talks about that when you came to Jesus and you called upon him to come into your life, the Spirit of God joins you to him. What that means is this, what Jesus is now, you are. So Jesus is righteous, and because you're in the righteous Jesus, you're as righteous as he is because you're in the righteous one. Jesus is sanctified. Because he's sanctified and you're in the sanctified one, you're just as sanctified as he is. Not on your own, but because you're in the one who's sanctified. And I don't have time tonight to develop that teaching. I've done it before, and we may do it again. I'm saying it for this reason. Because we're in him, we have the same relationship with God the Father that Jesus has. That means you can come to him tonight, tomorrow morning, while you're driving your car. If you're having a bad, rotten day, you can come to him, the Father, with the same confidence that Jesus came to him with and comes to him with because you're in Christ. So when God sees you, he sees Christ because you're joined to him. You cannot be separated from him. And I want to close with two scriptures and then we will pray because I've gone on a little longer than I wanted to. Matthew chapter 7. So I don't know about you, but that gives me boldness. I don't have to worry about what I'm like because I'm coming in Christ. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, this is God, Jesus telling us to do this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocked it will be opened. What man is there among you who asks a son asks for a bread will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And then last one, I'm just going to quote it. First John chapter 5 says, this is the confidence that we have before him. The confidence that we have before Him. If we ask anything, that it's in accordance with His will. And His will is as broad as His Bible. His will is an enormously wide boundaries. If you ask anything that's in accordance within the boundaries of His will, He hears you. And if He hears you, you have the request that you've made known to Him. I would encourage you to meditate on these scriptures because we need to learn to come to God with a confidence. Because James says in chapter 4, you have not because you ask not. 
That word ask means more than just saying words, God, please do this. It is a word, ioto, which means to demand something. It's that same confidence. It's to come to him and to make a demand on him. And say, oh my goodness, I couldn't make a demand on God. If he's told you to come and do it, he wants you to do it. He wants that confidence because it takes faith to be able to come to God. And expect, that's saying, I am expecting you to answer this. And when God's told us to do this, he's not going to be mad at you. He wants you to come with that kind of confidence. So having said that, we're going to come to him now with some petitions. And again, what I've shared with you before, we're going to start with this uh, Unite 714 prayer for this week, which is the the sixth week. And then um, we're going to go through a couple of things in the time that we have left. Uh, And then I just want to encourage you while we're doing this, don't be a spectator. Don't sit back and get another Diet Pepsi or something, but be a participant in this because we're doing this, although we can't be in the same room together, we're doing this under under Matthew 18, which is the prayer of agreement. And I will lead the prayer and I'm going to ask you to just stand in agreement with me. If you have this printed out through their website or through our website, you can join me in it. And then we're going to go on to some other things that we, we have prayed before as we're, how God leads us. Our Lord and our God, look in your mercy upon the suffering that covers the earth. A force called COVID-19 is dominating governments, derailing economies, destroying peace. It is an ever-present challenge bringing pain and devastation upon your creation. Yet we declare the name of Jesus is above all names, in heaven and on, or on earth. And we believe, as your holy scriptures have taught us, every person, problem, pestilence, and power must bow before the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask, we demand that COVID-19 be halted and eradicated. Lord Jesus, you created the world and everything in it. You healed the sick. You walked on water, you fed thousands, you raised the dead, you rule and you reign. And you said that if we ask anything in my name, I will do it. In the name of Jesus, we boldly ask for our families, our churches, our cities and nations to be protected from the effects of COVID-19. We know that the name of Jesus has great power when we speak it, for you are our Savior and our Lord. We know that even now you are at the right hand of our Father interceding for people as they battle COVID-19. Lord Jesus, we are confident in the power of your name. So we ask you to give scientists, researchers, and medical personnel the supernatural strength and wisdom needed in their battle against COVID-19. We ask for healing and restoration in the lives of those affected by this disease. We ask all of these things in the name that's above every name, the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we get into the other things we want to pray about tonight, I want to just, it just sort of came to me to encourage you to do something at home. And, and my wife used, and I used to do this for a long time, and then we kind of drifted away from it. I would encourage you to take communion uh, every day. And you don't need, you just need some kind of juice. It's not what the elements are, it's what your faith is in. 
And, and we do it because the bread represents His body broken for us, and that represents healing because by His stripes we're healed. But also as we eat that bread together as, as couples and with our family, we're recognizing that we are one body together with Him, and we are one body together with one another. And then the cup is the cup of, a, of His blood, of a covenant blood. But what we do then in our, is plead that blood over our household, over us, over our family, and everything within that family. And I plead it in this regard, because that blood is what defeated Satan's authority over our lives, because Satan's only authority over your life was because you were guilty of sin. That's the only entrance Satan has into your life. And that blood paid for your sin. So when you plead that blood, it's like a boundary that you set around you in your household and your family. And I declare when I do that, Satan, you have no right to cross that bloodline. You cannot cross that bloodline. And in those words, by faith in that blood, will keep him out. So I would encourage you to do that every day and as best you can. So we'll talk more about that later. All right, let's continue to pray. We're going to pray for some of the same things we've been praying for. But this is, again, this is a prayer of intercession. So it's okay to repeat it over and over again. So, Father, we're going to come to you, first of all, and we're going to pray as you lead us to pray, as you instruct us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, to pray for all of those in leadership and authority over our lives, that we, especially the church, may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So, Father, we come for our president. This has nothing to do with whether we like these people or whether we agree with them, because you've told us to pray for them. And we have a stake in them being effective leaders right now. We have a stake. And we pray, first of all, that this nation and that our politicians would rise above the petty jealousies and the plays for power and the selfishness and the self-centeredness and that they would recognize and understand that the authority that they're standing in has been ordained and has come from you and with that authority there's a responsibility to make decisions for the benefit of the of the of the people of this nation and so, Father, we ask you to awaken them to the fear of the Lord, to recognize this responsibility that they have. So we pray, Father, for our president, President Trump, for Vice President Pence, for you keep and protect them and their families, that you strengthen them so that they're able to stand in those offices against the onslaughts that come against them. For there is a spiritual attack that comes against that office regardless of who's in that office to distract them, to dissuade them, to, do, to, 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 to corrupt them in whatever means the spirits can do this. So we ask you to keep them strong, give them discernment, surround them with godly men and women who will help provide them with godly counsel and give them the discernment to know who to listen to and what to do. Father, we pray for the governors that have the direct effect upon the body, this body here, for Governor Raimondo of Rhode Island. We pray that you keep her safe and her family. We pray, Father, that you would give her strength in her body and in her soul because this has got to be weary or wearing on her. Father, we ask you to continue to give her wisdom and surround her with godly counsel. We thank you because we do know that you have put people in around her that she listens to, that know you, that walk with you, that have your spirit in, the, in them. And we thank you, Father. We pray for them also, Father, that you would keep them safe. We pray also, Father, that their 
your spirit would encourage them and strengthen them and continue to give them wisdom and discernment. And we thank you for the gifts of the spirit that provide supernatural knowledge, supernatural wisdom. We pray, Father, for that wisdom, for all those that work with them, and for our legislature, Father, to learn to work together. We pray for Governor Baker, Lord, who's handling a very difficult situation in Massachusetts. And we pray, Father, for his protection and the strength for him and for his family. We pray, Father, for that he would have wisdom, godly wisdom, and that you would surround him with men and women that know your voice and know how to help him and provide that support for him, Father. And we pray for him, Lord. Lord, that that he would have discernment of what to do, Lord, when he's trying to deal with all the pressures that come against him, Father. We pray for him, Lord, that he would make wise decisions for the sake of this commonwealth, that that this church exists in. We pray, Father, for the pastors of all the pastors around this nation and around the world, but especially for the pastors in this area. Father, that you would give them wisdom and discernment, Lord, of how to lead their flocks through this difficult time. Father, give them strategies and ways, Lord, to, 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 to connect with their people, Lord, and through that, and even if it's different for each church, it doesn't matter, that they would know what you're showing them to do. Father, we pray for the people in this church, Lord, that you would find ways for us to continue to find ways and strategies to connect together, not just through the church, but separately from the church. And we pray, Father, for that for all of the churches, Lord. Father, we pray that for those that, that, are, that have lost their jobs and those that are going through a difficult financial time right now, first of all, we pray peace for them. Give them an assurance, Father, that you will always provide, that you are faithful to provide for your children because you're a faithful Father. So we take authority over the spirit of fear that would try to scare them and discourage them. And we pray, Father, that you would provide a means within this body that we can, you can use us to help meet the needs of one another, Father. We thank you that this will be a time when the church will rise up strong and we will be the body of Christ, the hands and the feet and the voice and the eyes and the ears of Christ in the earth, in our communities, in this body for one another. Show us ways to do this, Father, and strategies to do this. And we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for those things in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for those that have have lost loved ones. There are some in our body that have lost loved ones. And we pray, Father, that you would comfort them and strengthen them. Lord, as only your Spirit can. He is the Comforter, Father. Father, we ask you to help us to encourage one another and to put people, different people in our hearts to call or to text or to email and to reach out to so that people that need, that need encouragement because in many ways we've been, we're isolated physically from one another, Lord, and it can be challenging and difficult. And help us, Lord, to keep those connections alive. Father, we pray for those families that are shut up with each other and shut up together in, in, in homes, Lord, and where it can be challenging and it can be difficult. Father, help them to see these as opportunities and not difficulties. Find ways to f- connect together. Father, we've been so distracted by television, so distracted by video games, so distracted by, by, by smartphones and other ways, Lord, so we don't connect together as a family. Father, help the fathers and the mothers and those that are heads of households to see ways that they can begin to meet together. 
And teach us how to come together as families. Teach us how to come together as households and to begin to pray together. Lord, maybe there be a great movement of prayer in your church, in this church and in all the other churches in this area and throughout the nation. May we see more and more our need and your willingness to answer prayer. Father, we pray for those that are on the front line, those that are in nursing homes and those that are in hospitals, those that are in the front line of taking care of those that are already afflicted with this virus and those that are suffering from it, Father. Father, we ask you to continue to protect them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them, Father. We ask you to continue to protect them. And Father, thank you for them that are willing to put, literally put their lives on the line. And so we ask you again to continue to protect them. For those that have contracted this disease, Father, this virus, we pray for them, Father. We speak health and healing over their bodies. We speak to that disease wherever it is and whatever bodies it's residing tonight. And we curse you and we declare you will not succeed and you will not prosper. We speak to those lungs that are infected, that those lungs will recover into the immune systems of these bodies, that they will rise up strong and they will live and they will not die. We speak these things in the name of Jesus. We call upon you, Father, to do these things in the name of Jesus. You've said to us that whatever we ask you in the name of Jesus, that you will do, that if we abide in him and his words abide in us, whatever we ask, he will do for us. Whatever we ask you in his name, that you will do, you will make sure it's done. And so we look to you to do that tonight, Father. We thank you for doing that tonight. Father, we pray for those that, that, are, that are doing the research, Father, that, that, that you will give them supernatural ability to find the vaccines and to find the cures for this disease. For, Father, the threat is not that just we go through this now, but there are threats out there that this could come back. And so, Father, we're asking you tonight in the name of Jesus, whether it's through a vaccine or whether it's through a supernatural move of your spirit, that this thing end and that it stop. Father, we plead. We plead on behalf of this nation. We plead, Father, what, what the prayer that's the foundation of this prayer movement. Father, we pray, Lord, that the church take on ourselves, Lord, the sin of the nation as Daniel did when he pleaded for the nation of Israel. Lord, your church, we take on the sin of the nation. We take on their idolatry. We take it on ourselves and we plead for them, Father forgiveness for this nation. We plead, Father, for forgiveness for our leaders, Lord. We plead, Father, for forgiveness for our spiritual leaders, that we failed in many ways to not provide the leadership that we should have provided. Father, we ask you to forgive the sins of this nation. And Father, we ask you to forgive the sins of the church, that we have been lazy and neglectful, and that you would awaken us and Father, we pray that in this time, I sense and I know many others sense, Father, that in this, in this crisis time, you want to begin to move in a way, Lord, that, 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 that we may, may have never seen in our lifetime and we may have never seen. For we've always sensed that before Jesus comes back, there will be one last great revival, one last great 
outpouring of your spirit. And Father, we pray for your church to wake up and realize this is it. This is why we're here. This is the showtime. It's ready to go that we may be sober and alert and help us to realize what's truly important, what's truly vital from all those things that are truly, that are really insignificant, that really don't matter. And help us to wake up to why we're truly here and give us a boldness and a commitment to step forth into it. Father, we pray for the finances that are needed by the churches and by the ministries that you've called. Father, we pray that you meet every need that's met in abundance. Father, we pray, Lord, that instead of the finances going down, that they would continue to increase, that there would be an outpouring of finances and resources so that the work of your of your gospel can go forth with whatever's needed so that the missionaries can continue to do what you put them, sent them there to do so that we can continue to be doing television and all the other outreaches, Father. And Father, we pray that you would prosper and continue to prosper those here at Faith Christian Center, but also those in all the body of Christ so that through them, Father, the resources would be more than available and more than enough. That in this time of need, Father, your church will rise up and it will be a great witness to the world that you are real and that you are compassionate and that you care and that you are almighty. Father, help us to prepare for that, to know what to do and to guide us and to lead us. And we thank you for these things, Father. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to increase those that are watching. We thank you, Father, that what Satan has meant to separate us and to divide us and to weaken the church is in reality opening the door so that the gospel is going out to people that it never would have gone to. And we ask you to continue to increase that, Father. Increase that. Give us strategies. Give us ideas and witty ideas of ways to get into the community with your word, way to get into the community with your love and your peace and your joy, ways to get into our communities, wherever we may be, around our households, our neighbors, Father, to begin to bring, to touch our neighbors as only you can do it, Father. Begin to give us visions that are beyond just sitting inside of our four walls. And finally, Father, we believe with all our heart when these restrictions begin to come off that there is going to be an outpouring of people into the church. There's going to be a great influx into the church by your Spirit. And Father, help us to be prepared for that. Help us to prepare, Father. Put Bring volunteers in. Every resource that's going to be needed to minister to people's needs, Father, as we prepare for this great outpouring that's about to come. And we thank you for these things, Father. We thank you for these things, Father. I thank you for each and every person that is tuned in tonight and been a part of this time of prayer tonight. Father, I ask them, this is an unselfish thing that they're doing tonight, and I ask you to bless them for that. Whatever their needs are for tomorrow and for the rest of this week, I'm personally asking you, Father, to meet those needs. Give them wisdom if there's a job they need. Open up opportunities for they're out there and you can provide things, Father. You have brought food to a prophet by a raven, Father. You have brought water to a prophet. You brought food to Israel in the middle of a wilderness. Father, you can provide the needs of your people and you will provide the needs of your people. 
So encourage those tonight, Father, that may be struggling and help them tonight. And we pray, Father, again, for anyone that's within our body especially that may have contracted this virus. We pray for healing by the stripes of Jesus. We claim that healing over their bodies. And we declare that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. We declare that they will live and not die, that they will be able to finish out their days of their life. And we thank you for these things, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now I want to encourage you that whenever you pray, but especially after, like tonight when we've come together, and I've really felt a unity as we pray tonight, it's so important that we, we, the words that come out of our mouth agree with what we've just prayed. One of the things God, I mean, I've learned it years ago, I've taught it before, but one of the things I have felt God impressing upon me in my own life is the power of my words. It's all over the Bible. Jesus spoke things about words. Say to the mountain. Speak to the mustard seed. He spoke to bodies. Jesus exercised his faith with his words. So our words will either enforce, reinforce what we pray or they will pull the plug on the power of that prayer. Watch the words that you speak over your family. Watch the words that you speak, because Satan wants to tell you what's going to happen, and then he wants you to speak that out, because he needs you to speak out, just as God needs you to speak out what he wants to do. Satan needs you to speak out what he wants to do, and you are the deciding witness. Your words are powerful, so we need to be careful what we're saying. Don't say what you have, say what you want. There's an old teaching that, that, that um, Brother Caps did, Charles Caps did years ago. He said, if my dog's out on the field, I call the dog what I want. I want the dog to come here. I'm training Molly to do that. Molly, come. So I tell Molly what I want Molly to do. I don't talk to Molly about where she is in the back part of the yard. I call out what I want her to do. Your words, when it's God's word coming out of your mouth, they have the creative power of God behind them. On the same token, when you speak out what Satan wants done, you're taking the power God's put in you and you're connecting it to Satan's will for your life, not God's will for your life. We'll talk more about that later. But it's so important that when you finish praying about something, you set your guard over your mouth that I will not say anything contrary to what I've just prayed. So don't get up tomorrow and say, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen. We just prayed what's going to happen. We prayed this thing's going to end quickly. We prayed these things, and so we thank you, God. I don't care what the news says. I thank you that you've heard our prayers and you're answering our prayers. Even if you don't remember what it is, set a guard on your mouth and begin to say, if you don't know what else to do, just thank him that he heard our prayers on Wednesday night. Praise God. Well, that's a lesson for another night, but it's also important. 
Right now, what we're going to do is we're two things we want to do. First of all, we're going to end in a moment. We're going to receive, although we can't do it here, we'll receive the Lord's tithes and our offerings. But before we do, you may have tuned in tonight, and most of you, I assume, that have tuned in are, are part of FCC. And if you've stayed through it this long, most likely that you are a believer. But there may be somebody that's watching, and you've just been drawn in. And, and you've said, I don't know I've ever heard people pray like this. You're not praying the way I've heard people pray before. There seems to be something different. It's a confidence that we have because we're talking to God as our Father. We know Him, and He loves us, and, and He knows us. Well, how can you have that? Because 41 years ago, I came to Him, and I invited Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior. I was raised in church. I was taught from a little boy on my grandmother's knee that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus came to the earth to die to pay for our sins. I knew that growing up as a little boy. And in my 30s, I was a deacon in the church we belonged to. I knew all that. But if I had died at that point, I wouldn't have gone to heaven. You, hell is filled with people that believe in God in fact the Bible says that Satan believes in him and he even trembles but what Jesus said is in order to enter heaven you must come through him and what I realized when I was about 37 years old somewhere in there I realized I needed to invite Jesus personally into my life as the one that paid for my sins And so one night at one o'clock in the morning, my family was in bed. I wasn't in church. I just said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real. But if you are, I'm asking you to come into my life as the one that paid for my sins. And the moment I said those words with just that little bit of faith, I knew he was real. I knew he had come into my heart. I knew he had come into me. And suddenly there was a joy, there was a peace I'd never known before because now he was alive inside of me. And the Bible says, I didn't know that at the time, that at that moment I passed from death into life, spiritual death into life. I passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. I passed from just being alive in this earth to being a living child of the living God. Now God was my father, and I had a covenant family relationship with him. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that tonight. It's as easy as what I did. And what I want to do is I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. You don't even have to understand it. All you have to do is just mean it as best you can. God saw into my heart that night. He saw, I didn't have have any understanding, but in my heart, I was just opening my heart a little bit for whatever he had for me. And he poured through that opening that I gave him and brought his son, his spirit, into my life. And I've never been the same since. And that was 40, over 41 years ago. And God is faithful tonight. He's real. Jesus is real. He's alive. And He wants to come into your life and bring His joy and His peace into your life, especially in this time we're going through. I don't know how people handle all that's going on in the world without a living relationship with Jesus and with God as our Father. So if that's you tonight, I I want you to just repeat this prayer with me. Mean it as best you can, and then I'll give you a little bit of instruction when we're done.
Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I've ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now with the good and the bad, with the good things I've done and with the mess I've made. And I put the whole thing into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your Spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me this much. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, there's something I want you to do. I want you to call our office tomorrow morning, 508-336-4110. And there was, somebody will answer, and, 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 and they will get some material out to you. They'll pray with you and, and give you some ideas of the next step that you could take. I'll tell you, the next step... Tune in Sunday morning. We're here at 9.30 for a live streaming uh, service. It runs about an hour and a half. And you're going to have a time of worship. You're going to hear another word from God that will encourage you. We had people call in Monday morning that said this same prayer. Their lives were changed and they wanted to know, where do I go from here? Or you can go online. We have a website called catchthetruth.com and there's an information there how we can get some material into your hands. You have made the best decision. You have made an eternal decision. And we're so glad for you. We want to help you with that journey. And the final thing we want to do is, again, we want to give you an opportunity to, 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 to bring in the Lord's tithes and your offerings. We don't pass a, a container here because you're not here tonight, but there are a number of ways that you can give. You can give by way of text giving, 28950. I've done this for two years. It's so wonderful. It's so easy. Uh, I do it as soon as my paycheck gets plugged into my bank account. I just go online and I do it, and it's done. I pray over it. And then, or you can go to our website, faithccenter.com, and there's a place where you can give online there, or you can send a check in. That's still a wonderful way to do it. It's important not just for the church. God will take care of the church, but it's important for you to be faithful in your giving because that continues a flow by which God can continue to flow these resources to you. And you are faithful. You guys are wonderful. So let's pray over it. Father, we thank you for how faithful you are to us and how faithful your people are to this work here. And we just pray your blessings upon them. Father, the word says that as we bring the tithe into the storehouse to test you and see if you won't open the windows of heaven and pour out on us a blessing that we cannot contain, that you will rebuke the devourer for our sake and we will be called by others the delightsome land. Father, we dare to believe that that's true in our lives because we obey your word tonight. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday, but we're going to end with just a little bit of worship. Thank you, guys. We want to remind you about the Net Group Weekend. Yes. Which is this Friday and Saturday. And so if you, if you are part of a Connect Group, by 
by all means, please do Zoom with your Connect group. <laughs> but if you are not part of one, there's a place on the church's website, facecenter.com, right in the front. You'll see the little wording that says Connect Group. You click on that, and uh, you'll be able to go ahead and submit your information, and, and we'll get that, and we'll be able to connect you with a Connect Group leader, and you'll be able to Zoom with a group and actually be able by uh, a, a virtual way to fellowship with some people this weekend. I know that'll be a real blessing to you. Let's worship him as we go. Hallelujah. To worship you, we live. Hallelujah. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you.